Alana. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Aileen. Hi, Ellie. How's it going? Super. We're recording Professional Humans. Yay! Professional Humans is back on the air. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Aw. <laughs> you, uh, Alana, you actually even came to one or both live episodes. I think both. Do you think you listened to every single episode? No, I did not. No. You She's should. Honest. I listened to a, a lot. You could tell me not. that you did. That's I okay. could, but I'm not. Going <laughs> Thank to you for do being that. honest. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is Ellie Rader. I am uh, Ellie Rader, in fact, and I'm here with Aileen Guinea, co-host. Um, uh, awkward moment. It's pronounced Guinea. What? <laughs> You've never had to say my last name. I have. It's Guinea. Oh, okay. It's I'm very Irish. I said the first half yeah, right. Did. Correct. Because I've been practicing that for like three years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, it's Aileen Milligan Guiney. Oh, yeah, we had a oh, whole conversation about this. quite Irish. Yeah, quite Irish. Yes. I'm here with Aileen, co-host, uh, and Alana. I'm not going to attempt your long-ass last name. I feel like you should. Sibinaller Ransom. That was beautiful. Did I do it? Yes. Nice. Wow. I've, I don't know if I've ever actually said it out loud. I don't Redeemed. know if you have either. Yeah. I'm sweating now. <laughs> that was wrong. So am I. Okay, so uh, Aileen and I uh, wanted to talk to you today, Alana, because we are we're doing a season exploring self-advocacy at work and trying to understand what it means, what it means to people, and uh, unpack um, some of the tools that people use to advocate for themselves professionally and also to hear some stories and experiences. What else? I think that's a good start. It's a good start. Yeah. So Alana, you have been in um, working in agencies and professional uh, settings for a long time, helping people communicate better. That's yes. kind of your jam. Do you want to talk a little bit about your, uh, your work experience? Yes. And why I'm sitting here? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I worked for two consulting firms for 17 years and did a lot of my, my focus was people, processes, managing change, but predominantly focused on professional development, mm -hmm. which you cannot separate from personal development. And a big part of what I did was looking at communication styles and tools that people use in order to improve dynamics and obviously self-awareness. Um, and I would argue you can't have self-advocacy without self-awareness. Because if you don't know who you are and how you function in the world, then it's really hard to put yourself out there. And I did that, I think I said this, for 17 years. Um, and then at a pivotal moment, um, decided that I would take a voluntary layoff because somebody had to go. And <clears throat> thinking about, looking back, I can see that that moment was absolutely the kind of this point where I started to take advantage of these tiny little moments to say, I will do that. And so that was the first one, I will do that, right? I will be the person who gets laid off because it's time for me to go do something different. 
And I landed in a role doing, um, leading a communications effort for a large IT project that was part of a gigantic merger mm-hmm. at Land Lakes. And it turns out I finally figured out what I want to be when I grow up. Yay! That's awesome. Right? Oh. Um, I am now a consultant. Yep. An independent consultant uh, focusing on change management and communications. So we think that the um, in order to be engaged and happy and fulfilled at work, you have to do whatever you can to not um, allow resentment or conflict mm-hmm. to build up. Yes. And we think that there are a lot of tiny decisions, as you uh, mm-hmm. called it, too. There are a lot of tiny decisions that you make in your day or your week or your how amount of time yes. uh, that that can over time build up and we're trying to figure out which of those moments can go and just be fine not unaddressed and what kinds of moments are there that that you see people really needing to do something about so that they don't build up a kind of a what is we call it a PL. yeah the um, what's the PNL? The the resentment garden. Yeah, right? Right. sort of like planting <laughs> it little bit by little yes. bit. Um, yes, giving it the wrong kind mm-hmm. of care and feeding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there's especially trying to figure out which which of those moments you take and which you let go. Yeah, how do you decide? Um, I have, I have become extremely good at, I think figuring out this is not something I should let slide. And it usually has to do with, I have something I want, and I've put the time into figuring out that I want that, and somehow I just got presented this pretty little package, and I, in that moment, have to decide to grab it or not. Um, So I had a situation very recently where I mentioned I do change management and communications, Mm -hmm. but I enjoy the change management. I love the communications. That is what I'm incredibly passionate about. And I was meeting with a woman who I roll up to in a reporting structure, and she made mention of, you know, being really glad that I have these change management skills and how much we can leverage that, and she doesn't know me well at all. And I I had that voice in my head thinking, do I tell her? Do I not? Do I tell her? Do I not? Mm-hmm. And I said, just so you know, recognizing this would be somebody who makes decisions about the kind of work I get to do, yep. I said... I enjoyed the change. I love the communications. And three hours later, she sent me an email that said, I was meeting with somebody who needed some communications help, and so I gave them your name. And it has entirely changed the work that I am doing. What was the risk if you hadn't done it? Um, you know, the, it, relatively small in that circumstance, because what would happen is I would... I, and this will still happen, but the, the work around change management, and the, there, it, there's really subtle differences with, with change management, but it tends to be higher level, more strategic work. And I am actually a tactical person, which is why I like the communications. Mm-hmm. Um, I would keep doing that. I would do more of it. That would be fine. I'd bake communications into all of that. So small risk, 
certainly there could have been a risk that she could have come back and said, well, but that's not what we hired you for. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was getting right? at. Right, I mean, she, she could. Why did you come here in this costume? <laughs> yes. Such yes. trickery right. in your change management so costume. Right? Tricking. Yes, How much, that could have happened. You, you mentioned you had this epiphany that now you really know yourself. Mm-hmm. How much does a younger version of you, mm-hmm. or for listeners who are new in their career, or maybe not new in their career, but haven't had mm-hmm. their moment yet, you know, do you have, in hindsight, examples or stories about, I should have taken this opportunity and I didn't? I, I don't know if I have a lot of, I should have taken this and I didn't. I, I feel like... When I look back, mm-hmm. I tend to be somebody who thinks, well, that could be a thing. What's, let's, sure, I'll, I'll try yeah. that. Um, but I'm not a risk taker, so not, not in a risky way. That's not, in fact, I'm incredibly not a risk taker. <laughs> I'm a deep rule follower. <laughs> um, I think the difference for me being a younger professional mm-hmm. was not not always knowing where my strengths were, not knowing what I really could bring to the table and what what a difference that could make for the people around me. And as I grew professionally figuring out so much more about who I am, that I think is what allowed me to get more and more comfortable with with those little decisions, with advocating for myself, with you know, taking these opportunities to really move something forward. Yeah, that's interesting because I think you've already listed a few tools and self-awareness is sort of at the bedrock of yep. um, self-advocacy, but there are moments that are not as clear when you have a feeling or an instinct, mm-hmm. right? And our hypothesis is that it, self-advocacy is connected to engagement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, engagement in a day-to-day setting is maybe presenteeism, right? Yes. Um, have, you, have you or do you ever feel like part of what is holding self-advocacy back or in your own experience is being part of a larger team? Let me say a little bit more. Yes. C- company cultures sometimes... Mm-hmm broad brush, want people to just be parts of a team, which is good. It may, on accident, suffocate a Mm -hmm. young person or a nervous person or a not so self-aware person from being able to self-advocate because it feels like you're not being a member of the team. Um, There is no doubt that I'm actually going to hone in on the, the part about company culture, right? That, that there are cultures in company, I think, that contribute to asking people not to advocate for themselves. Um, and they likely don't even recognize they're doing it, right? They don't realize that they're stifling that. And then there are companies that are very good about helping people grow and move, I have been extremely fortunate that my the companies I've worked for have been very focused on development. Mm-hmm. And I was the person who 
shaped that for people, right? I was the person who got to help people and coach people through, mm -hmm. okay, you tell me you want to do this, but you were sitting in a meeting and somebody asked a question and you didn't say anything, right? That was your chance to advocate. That was your chance to step in and you didn't do it. Oh, you've been a moment spotter for other I people. I have been a moment spotter. Is that how you became self-aware yourself? Or how did that happen? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, and I've, I, it's funny you ask that. I, I am not entirely sure how I became self-aware, but I pay attention to all of these, the decisions that I make and the moments where I have something to learn and, and stop long enough to figure out, okay, what was really, what was this lesson, mm -hmm. right? How did I, I also, because I worked at organizations that valued development, I had people around me and people who I reported to who were very good at helping me, right? They were, they were me for me, mm -hmm. right? Helping grow and, and shape me. Right. Self-awareness is kind of a, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it, it's hard to be self-aware on your own. It is extremely it hard village, to be self-aware right? on your own. But yes. of accuracy. Yes. It's like, well, what? Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, because you could be self-aware and dead wrong. <laughs> Very true. Well, and, and it also, I think being self-aware and being able to be a self-advocate also requires somebody who is presume I can swear. Uh, absolutely. Is, okay, great. Um, who's willing to call you on your bullshit. Yeah. Right? So when you sit down, for example, to say, okay, I, I know I'm not where I want to be. I want to take advantage of more opportunities. I want to figure out how I grow in this space. And you list out some goals or you list out some steps you're going to take. If you don't have somebody who says, you're thinking really small here. Yeah. Or, or the, the alternate of that is I, I worked with several consultants who said, I'm done doing this job that I'm doing and I really want to move up a level, right? I want to do more. I want to expand the work that I'm doing. And I would say, based on everything I've seen, you're not ready for that. <clears throat> and so the conversation had to change to how do you get ready for that? So... So self-advocacy and awareness also has this balance of, I want this, I think I'm ready, and if somebody who's willing to call you on your stuff says, I don't know if you are, you also have to be willing to take a step back and say, why do you think that? Why mm -hmm. do you think I'm not? What do I need to do to get ready, mm -hmm. right? How can I learn more about myself? How can I learn more about it might be a skill, it might be whatever it is, right? How do I do that differently rather than, because there's certainly people who just get defensive with that. Sure. Right? And different, it's confusing to know, um, again, back to the trigger, the decision trigger for self-advocacy, uh, companies approach it differently, mm -hmm. um, whether they're ready to put somebody in a role that that person may or may not be ready for. Yes. But has, uh, I'm not saying that very clearly, I don't think. But what I mean is I have continuously been put into roles that I am not ready for. Mm -hmm. And because there's a confidence in me that I'll figure it out. 
and I will do whatever it takes to figure it out. Um, so I feel like I've I've been put in roles where I'm like, no, I'm not ready. And they're like, yep, you're going to do it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. So then the uh, what you're saying is the opposite of that of, you know, um, where, how do you decide whether to say, no, just put me in there anyway, even if I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you make that decision over, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, so there's two, I feel like there's two not questions, right? But two paths there. Yeah. One is put me in that role. I'm not ready, but here's what I'm going to do but I'm to determined. get ready. Yeah. Right? Here's what I and this is this is huge in the space of self advocacy. Here's what I'm going to do and here's what I need from you. Yes. As my friend, manager, mentor, right? Whatever that is. Yep. This is what I need from you to make sure that I can be successful in this. How do you know those things? We need all the answers here, Alana. Um, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of self-reflection, right? I mean, and part of that sure. is partly you know that. So think about any kind of feedback that you're given any kind of performance review you get, any kind of time when you wrap something up where there's, in IT, it's a retrospective. I'm sure they do that in other areas, right? Where you're you're doing this reflection of what happened and what did I learn? Mm -hmm. And what I have found is people who are self-aware are the ones who are able to sit down with, for example, a performance review and say, this isn't all glowing. I can, I understand why I received this feedback. Mm-hmm. Here's, if I had it to do over again, here's what I would do, right? I can understand that I have a gap in my skill set, or I don't listen well enough, or I don't advocate for myself enough, right? That, that, they're the people who are willing to sit down and take that feedback in any form that it takes mm-hmm. and be willing to figure out, now what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of how you do that, mm-hmm. right? Is anytime you are getting feedback, whether it's, again, from friends or managers or, or anyone, you're taking it in with the lens of, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. It, because there's also all those people who are very defensive about it yeah right yeah they don't it's a it's a laundry list of well here's what the circumstance was and i always said to people you you can explain this all you want but this is someone's perspective of how you are performing in a given situation right right and and you don't get to judge their perspective their perspective's not right or wrong it's how they saw this situation unfold you get to decide what do you do with it that's awesome advice Hmm? can we i i'm I'm interested so there's elements of self-advocacy as you're pointing out that are actually we often we've talked about self-advocacy you have to summon courage sometimes in the moment which i want to get your thoughts on as i think it shows up viscerally mm-hmm. and my own experience is naming <laughs> naming what's going to happen viscerally and then teaching your body that those are not um, warning signals like keep going sweating profusely is part yes. of self-advocacy yes. go ahead right um, but the the humility on the front end to be mm-hmm. 
able to take feedback and then say, okay, I need to practice and close this gap yes. so that then I'm better at that mm-hmm. is actually part of self-advocacy because mm-hmm. you have zero credibility. Yes. When the moment com- when the sweaty moment comes, mm-hmm. right? Um, can you talk a little bit about when you, whether it was the example you already gave or other kind of pivotal moments of your own self-advocacy of like viscerally what's happening to you? Like what are you working to overcome, right? Um. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> that that is something and I think especially as humans, all of us, especially professional humans, you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for the plug. Thanks you. Um most of us, I believe, have this, you know, little voice inside that is always 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 whoever it is speaking to you that's telling you you're not smart enough, good enough, right? It's, it's, the, the, it's the voice that fuels that fear. Mm-hmm. And it says you have no idea what you're doing. This, this. <laughs> In fact, my, my first day at this role that I have now, my Facebook post that I put out said, I'm starting this new adventure. I am taking on this big thing. I'm very excited and I feel like a complete imposter. Because we all do, right? We all do this at some point. For me, those, those moments of fear, early in my career, I would say, stopped me from not necessarily the self-advocacy. They stopped me from knowing how to especially how to engage with somebody or work with somebody who I didn't gel with easily. Mm-hmm. So every time I had to go to our CFO and ask for money for something, that fear would loom large because I am driven by emotion. I am driven by connection and he was driven by numbers and data. And he really didn't care about my emotion. And one of the things that I had to figure out how to do was, was two things. One, take that fear on the front end of that conversation and turn it into research. Of how do I talk to him? in a way that he's going to take this in, not in a way that I would. And then the second thing, just that those, those moments of fear, and we talked about this, of course, with our prep, fear is such a big driver, and it stops us all the time from doing things that we otherwise would experience. And... I'm not even sure I'm answering your question. However, you are. <laughs> I follow a, a woman named Dr. Christine Carter. She works for the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. And she, she had a post about who you would be without fear. And she referenced this dinner party that she went to. She was sitting with a friend, and there were a couple of people at the table who she deeply admired. One of them made a comment about something, and she was about a philosopher, and she didn't know who the philosopher was. So she begins this fear-based downward spiral 
of, I'm not smart enough to be here. I'm not good enough. Why am I sitting at this table? How did I get here? <laughs> and her friend, it's ruining her evening. Her friend left to go to the restroom and the, a woman sitting at the table, her name's Byron Katie, slid over and took Dr. Carter's hand and said, who would you be without your fear? And it changed not just everything in that moment for her, but she spent the next year thinking about this. I read all kinds of professional stuff and personal stuff and development things. None of them stick with me that well. This, that question was fundamental in shifting my thoughts mm. from, I can't do this, here's this reaction, and, and I now have a trigger every time that happens. I have a trigger that says, who would you be without your fear? And it has allowed me to step into these moments where I think, okay, if I weren't afraid, I would, I would ask for what I need. If I weren't afraid, I would tell myself that I am smart enough, right? I'm good enough, I'm whatever. And gosh darn, people like me. <laughs> um, to, to be here, right? That it's okay for me to be at this table as well. We've explored um, what, what you're talking about, that who would you be without your fear is a little bit of another tool we've talked about is alter egos. Mm -hmm. We're gonna need Should to we talk about that? Have you named your, do you have an alter ego? Does it have a name yet? Ooh. And do you need help? Because we have a formula. Oh, we have a formula and formula. we have a luminary Beyonce. Yeah. Whose like alter ego is Sasha Fierce. Right. And, and so I we've collectively decided that if you are Beyonce, <laughs> who's many of our alter egos, us mortals, and you still need an alter ego, like all of us could benefit from an alter ego. And she actually uh, has given a few interviews that she leverages this other persona to go on stage mm -hmm. and be Sasha Fierce. Sasha Fierce, who we actually all think Not is Beyonce. Enough. It's very confusing. <laughs> Not enough to be Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. You have to be both. Do you have an alter ego at this time? I don't think I do. Do you want to I, I start with a name? Very interested mm -hmm. so in your formula. The formula, I did an informal poll. Oh. And the, the winning formula was commonly used adjective to describe you plus your favorite pet's name. Um, <laughs> don't say <laughs> For our listeners, uh, I used to own a dog named Dobby, and Dobby was refamilied uh, to Alana's family and lives there happily, much, much more happily than he lived <laughs> with me. He's a very happy was alone. dog. Yes. We're a very happy family. Yeah. Um, it's not a very good part. It's a win-win. Isn't it? It was. <laughs> it's not a very good part of a... Alter ego name, though. I'm just assuming it's that Dobby's well, your favorite Well, here's the unfortunate pet. part. So here are my pet names to choose from because I didn't have a we don't I mm. didn't have a lot of pets. Um, Triga, which I think means wheat in Spanish. Okay. Um, chestnut. Chestnut has some possibilities. It does sure. have possibilities. Okay. Okay. Um, and Shreya. There you go. Mm. It was the title of an Amy Grant song in the 80s. <laughs> what? which could be its own podcast like, <laughs> uh, listeners look forward to when we deep dive and know what, what happened in that chapter of your life <laughs>
Well, let's do three questions in the lightning round. Ooh, okay. You have 20 seconds or less to answer each of these questions with how you would proceed, how you would respond to the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ready? Yes. You're asked to take on more responsibility with no title or compensation change. Um, I would love to take on that responsibility. I would ask, however, that in two months we sit down and evaluate how I've been performing and have a discussion at that point about additional title or compensation. Real good. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> real, real good. So far, you're uh, one for three. Uh, you're asked to work extra hours to mentor a peer who isn't performing to meet expectations. Um, I would like to understand what kind of outcome you would like to see from this person so that I can be successful in helping to mentor them. I would also like to know if there is somebody who could mentor me as well so that I can benefit from this. Nice. You're good at this game. I am good at this game. Here's the last one. Um, You find out you're getting paid way less than a newer employee with less experience. I do some research. I spend lots of time uh, combing the interwebs and asking people who are in the same field what kind of salary bands look like. I pull all kinds of data together, and then I go to my boss and say, I would like to talk about my compensation, please. Wow. I would say three for three. That, that was remarkable. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Our first contestant passes the mic. <laughs> awesome. Well, Alana, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. This was very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks. This is very fun. And we're out. Thanks for listening to the Professional Humans Podcast. We'd love it if you'd follow us on Twitter at ProHumans. You can always reach us at our website, www.prohumans.com. And we'll post show notes and links for each episode there, and you can listen to our past episodes. If you like the podcast, subscribe to it and get future episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we'd love to get your ideas and feedback, so drop us a note at prohumanspodcast at gmail or talk to us on Twitter. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.